0: Welcome to Human Resources for Small Business, where we discuss HR best practice, hot topics in HR, HR strategy, and employment law changes that affect business. I'm your host, Brandon Laws of Zenium HR. Our website is www.zeniumhr.com, where you can follow us, read articles, watch videos, or contact us. Thank you for listening. I'd like to welcome to the show, John Spencer. John is the CFO, CEO, and principal of Solutions Yes, which is an Oregon-based dealer of Kyocera and Kodak Business Solutions products. Welcome, John. Oh,
1: nice, Brandon. Nice to be here.
0: So we're ha- excited to have him on the show for a topic on managing HR as a CFO. So first off, John, let's talk about your role with Solutions Yes You have many titles, uh, CFO, COO, and principal, so what exactly is it that you do?
1: Well, Brandon, I am one of the owners, therefore, there's where principal comes from. My background is as a CPA, so I've kind of worked my way through the public into the private sector for many years, working as a controller and a CFO, so that's where that part of my role comes from. And then for about the last 12 years, I've also functioned as kind of a chief operating officer for a couple of organizations. So I essentially do that for this company as well. So in addition to really those stated titles, you know, in a new organization, you pretty much do whatever needs to be done. So those are kind of my stated titles, but I do a little bit of everything. And before we
0: started recording, you actually mentioned that you're doing a little bit of selling and a little bit of marketing. Uh, those skills you probably didn't necessarily have before, but what is it? what does it feel like to come into a small business and then have to wear all those hats?
1: Well, it's more exciting than anything. You know, I've never really been so much of an extrovert in my role and my training, and yet always had kind of an entrepreneurial side and really excited to be in a new venture that's about a year old now. And there's kind of an old saying that, you know, everyone in a new organization wears a sales hat. So as a principal and certainly as a team player, I wanted to step up and do what I could to help generate revenue for a new company from scratch. And so I've spent quite a bit of my time over the last year, in addition to the things we talked about, actually doing what I can to help generate revenue for the organization. So Solutions Yes just passed the annual,
0: um, I guess the first year of being in existence. So what exactly does Solutions Yes do and where are you located and, and those sorts of things?
1: Uh, Solutions Yes is a, essentially an independent dealer of office equipment and uh, service and supplies. We're located in Tigard, Oregon, just south of Portland. Uh, We just passed our one-year anniversary mark, that's correct. Our company was born from the idea that a lot of the competitors in the marketplace are now owned by manufacturers whose primary goal is to sell equipment and please shareholders, and most of them are international companies. So, several of my coworkers came from a previous local company that was bought by a manufacturer, and their goal for a long time, and they were very successful in the marketplace, was to be locally owned, and providing excellent customer service to small and medium-sized businesses in the Portland metro area. And my partner's desire to go back to kind of that niche in the marketplace which is missing today which is again locally owned and really super customer service oriented. And that's the differentiation we're creating in the marketplace today um, versus our competitors who you know, do provide good service, but when you're owned by a manufacturer, that's not your primary goal. And so that's our expectation of how we'll be able to carve out a niche in the marketplace. That's great.
0: So think back when you first started the business, the business plans started coming together. HR, did that really come on your radar at the time? I know you, you didn't have any employees. You went from zero employees and then you hired you know X amount of employees out right the bat. Right. Did HR come on your radar at all? And if so... What what were you thinking? Well,
1: HR was always on my radar because I've worn that hat over a number of years for other employers. And I've worn the hat simply because, not to use a cliche, but I knew more than anybody else did. So, I was kind of the de facto HR person and it's a complicated area, it's something that's not really in my wheelhouse, although it's related to what I do. And so I found myself you know, immersed in it and handling this for organizations for years, doing the best I could, but always realizing that it wasn't my area of expertise, and anytime I could get some help in it from some professionals, it was very much in my best interest. So that whole concept of HR was on my map the whole time, and all my partners knew that I was going to be playing that role. And so the early expectation was that I would, again, wear that hat as I have for a long time and do the best with it that I could. By circumstance, I happened to run across Zenium on a Google search one day and found out about a PEO and what Zenium was all about and all of a sudden the opportunity to tap into some professional HR and take that critical responsibility off my plate and allow me to focus on the other things we've talked about was clearly the right solution for us. Did you ever think about
0: between going with a PEO, somebody that can do kind of everything under one roof, or hiring an internal HR person who could theoretically help with payroll, um, stay up on the, the compliance piece? And What was your thought process of, do we hire an internal employee, or do we kind of outsource this function, or even you keep it yourself?
1: Yeah, and it was always the plan that I would keep it myself. You know, in the larger organizations that I have worked at over my career, where there have been, say, 100 plus employees, I've generally worked either closely with or supervised actually the HR people. So, again, very closely involved with them. And I believe there's kind of a rule of thumb out there in the marketplace that says you should have one full time HR person for every 100 employees. So, knowing we were going to start with no more than maybe 15 employees for the foreseeable future it was clear that you know bringing an HR person in-house was just not in the cards. So with that in mind, it was always an expectation that I would handle it myself. I felt that way myself and all my partners felt that that was the right thing to do. So again, finding somebody like Xenium or the type of organization where I wasn't expecting it to find it very professional, very helpful, and very affordable, uh, when I recognized that, brought that back, explained to my partners What I had found and why I thought it was the right way for us to go, again, even though from the outset, they all said, you're right, this is a no-brainer, your time is more valuable doing other things, let's head down this path.
0: Yeah, so that's that's a good point. Like, If your time is valuable doing X, why would you spend time doing the human resources piece? But in your mind, since you were doing a lot of it, what falls under the HR piece? I mean, it could go from what a handbook all the way to... I mean managing payroll programs and things like that. So what really fell under your belt, and then what were you trying to get rid of off your plate?
1: You're right. No, and it was really from, you know, I was like employee number two, and my main partner was employee number one, and, and we went from there. So hiring the people, all the related paperwork, the reporting to the state, you know, getting the payroll system all set up and ready to go. Were we going to do that in-house? Are we going to outsource that? Um, thinking all the way forward to an evaluation process for employees, which I think is an important measuring stick. And then, really, again from the outset, a handbook, uh, posters that are required to be in your workplace, uh, kind of a safety program that we needed to set up because this is my first time working in a business that's not purely service. So, we have a warehouse component of our place, we have forklifts, we have uh, you know, inventory and racking, so all of a sudden there was a new element to me in terms of we needed to make sure that that our workplace was was uh, set up to properly handle and, and uh, be a benefit to all of our employees. So there was a number of different things that fell under kind of the HR blanket as I see it that I was going to be fully responsible for, some of which I had done before, others of which, you know, boy, if I could get some help and really somebody that knew what they were doing, I knew it would be A real beneficial thing for us. So, again, uh, finding an organization like this from an opportunity cost standpoint, as you mentioned earlier, um, you know, as an accounting guy and as an operations guy, I think my time is more valuable to the organization doing essentially non HR type things since it's not my strength. And I kind of believe if you mess up in one or two key areas of HR, it can be a real. Troublesome thing for the organization. So, to not have to spend my time focusing on it, to spend my time more efficiently on other things that were more important to the organization, and then to have that piece come in at whatever level I needed it, knowing it was going to be there as a resource and handled professionally again, clearly the right solution.
0: Looking back in all those years you have dabbled in HR, what was the area that frightened you the most?
1: I think it was, you know, to use a little bit of a phrase, You don't know what you don't know. And again, kind of being the de facto HR person, I made sure I knew the appropriate things about how payroll was supposed to be processed and, you know, on a termination of an employee when they were supposed to get their check and, you know, some of those bare bones things. You know, I could put together a handbook if I had to and it would probably contain most of the appropriate things. But again, I believe that while I could handle most of the kind of nuts and bolts of what needs to be done. The law is changing so much these days, there's intricacies and kind of complicated things that I knew that I either couldn't keep up with or really didn't want to keep up with. And in my responsibility to the organization, it was what best way could the organization be served kind of under that HR umbrella. So therefore, it made the most sense again to focus on what I do best and outsource what's critical, but what I don't do best is someone that I knew would handle it exactly the way it should be handled.
0: Going back to what I mentioned, you put the business plan together, you're employee number two, um, and you started to figure out what pieces do we need for HR, and then did you have goals for uh, employment and things like that where you wanted to develop a culture or something like that in your organization to, to build a sustainable long-term uh, business?
1: Exactly, yeah. We, we believed, my, my main partner, who's employee number one, and I, as we were planning the whole thing, we said, you know, when you're starting something from scratch, you have the ability to create and form the culture exactly the way you want to. And frankly, when it comes to retract or attracting employees, uh, let's go get the best of the best. And I'm the only one in the organization that did not come from the industry that we're in. My partner uh, was my rep for many years when I was a CFO for another company, and that's where we developed our relationship. But he knew key people and very talented people that he'd worked with previously that would be attracted to a startup venture like this and perhaps weren't happy where they were uh, still working for a manufacturer and not the culture that they'd grown up in. And so the ability to attract those people largely came from his kind of recruiting and his prior knowledge and having worked with them. So, attracting the right people was not difficult, but making sure that all of the I's were dotted and the T's were crossed relative to getting those employees started, getting all the systems in place, and then making sure as they came on that they understood what the culture was that we were building, developing, and that we felt we wanted to have long-term. And as a result, every employee needed to be kind of an A-plus on the culture side, and hopefully, you know, an A or an A-plus on the performance and production side. But ultimately, we felt, again, starting from scratch and being able to build this the way we wanted to, that it was super critical to get people that were like us, that believed in the same things we did, that were super customer service-oriented, that would fit the culture we wanted to kind of perpetuate and one we hope we'll have for a long time.
0: How do you attract and retain those people, though?
1: Well, again, attracting them <clears throat> had more to do with my partner has been in the industry for a long time. He's very well-respected, very well-connected. As he called these talented people and said, hey, I'm starting up another company from scratch. We're going to do it the way we did it before. We're going to be locally owned. We're going to be super customer service-oriented. Um, you know, Do you want to come on board? And he had no trouble getting people to say, oh my gosh, this is wonderful. I'm so glad you're doing this again. Where do I sign? So attracting that initial wave of employees was not difficult at all. From a retention standpoint, again, the nature of the people that came over, they believe in what we're doing, they believe in the people, we're all rowing in the same direction in the water. So retaining them is not going to be a challenge at this point. Nevertheless, we want to be a very employee-centric organization, we are trying to do that from the start. So, to the extent that we can, we're doing a lot of different things in terms of what benefit offerings that we can have, uh, kind of recognition elements we can bring into the organization to make sure that it's a very family-oriented feel and that our employees really feel like they work in a culture that they live by, that they agree with, and that they're treated equally as just another person in the company. It's not like I'm an owner, you're an employee. I mean, It's a very family feel. We want them to feel very good about what we're doing here. We want to provide for them as best we can and as the organization grows over time. We expect to do more of that to provide that retention tool, because at some point, the pool that we know of, of talented people, is going to start to wane, and we're going to have to go get people that maybe aren't necessarily from the industry, or that we don't know, or that aren't proven performers at what they've done in the past, and therefore the retention piece is going to be critical. To make sure that when we bring in good talent we can keep it and keep it for long term.
0: At what point do you think it actually makes sense to hire somebody internally even if it's not full-time what at what point can your organization look like to where you have internal resources for the HR
1: Yeah you know, I guess if you go away from that idiom of a one FTE for every hundred and at what point do you think that makes sense clearly you know if you're at 50 to 80 employees and trying to handle it internally by yourself while you juggle all the other balls, it's just not going to work. So I would imagine somewhere in the 40 to 50 employee range, you'd probably have to say to yourself, hey, i, I got to get at least some help in here or some part-time help or something. So that probably comes to my mind as the place where I would really, you know, reach out and try to bring at least some kind of a resource in-house. But I've found over the course of the last year, again, I stumbled across Zenium and it's been a great experience, but I've through other networking efforts that I've been doing, I've also found other, you know, kind of outsourced HR services that are out there that are, I think, narrower in scope than what Xenium does, but nevertheless could have filled some of those roles. And as a result of that, it's possible that as a company grows and kind of reaches that point, they may choose, hey, do I need to bring in somebody internally at least to handle some of these functions? Or if I don't want to go, you know, one FTE. And I don't run across an all-encompassing organization like Xenium, maybe I do find one of those other, a little more narrowly focused HR type outsourcing organizations and tap into them for some of that kind of stuff. So, I think that decision would kind of present itself down the road and it would kind of be probably more circumstantial. You know, how full is your plate? What exactly are you looking for from less than one FTE person? Um, Can you handle some things and let them handle other things? So, all those things I think would come into play, but... At some point, definitely, I think you'd want to find some more expertise in that area and and get it involved in the organization, whether it's in-house or outsourced.
0: Let's talk about the challenges real quick. As Solutions Yes sits today, what challenges do you have in not having an HR person in-house?
1: There are times when, and there's been several times over the course of our first year, where HR types of things have come up, and of course they come to me, and my initial reaction is to figure out what is the right solution Uh, because I've always worn the HR hat for a long time and so and I'm kind of a um, kind of a fix it guy kind of a figure out a solution kind of a guy so when these things have come up my initial mindset has been okay here's the situation figure it out but I've relied pretty quickly on the fact that wait a minute you have a resource available you don't need to do this tap into the resource that's what it's there for frankly you're paying for it so take advantage of it and you know, get that pressure and stress off of you and hand it to people who know what they're doing. So I think we've, we've been approached with some HR-related things in our organization that I would have struggled through, frankly. I would have handled them on my own. Uh, probably would have figured out in one way or another, can I get some resources and some expertise from outside? But fortunately, I put myself in a position finding this solution where, as those things have come up, um, I simply revert to my resource and it's been a great help.
0: If you had a resource in-house, let's say you have an HR coordinator or something like that, how important would it be that they have another resource to go to? So if if you still have the outsourced HR provider and an HR coordinator, how do you think that would help in terms of, like, from your point of view, the CFO, how important is that to... uh, to be used as a resource?
1: I guess my thought, Brandon, is that if I were to have some level of HR in the organization internally, then I would, for the most part, rely on them exclusively. Uh, I, to me, I see this as kind of a, an in-house resource or an outsourced resource. Now, other people may think differently, this is just my opinion, but if I'm going to bring resources in-house, whether they're an FTE or less, uh, it's my expectation that that person uh, will wear that hat and will take on that responsibility. I might supervise them. I would certainly work with them, but I would expect them to you know, handle those types of things. If something unusual or extraordinary came up where we simply went, wow, this is way beyond our capabilities, certainly you look outside and you get some higher level professional help. But again, in my expectation, if I'm in-house, I probably don't do anything with an outsourced solution. And in this particular case, because I've gone with an outsourced solution, I really won't consider anything in-house. So for me, it's kind of mutually exclusive.
0: Okay, so as a CFO, you really see it as kind of one or the other. And I wonder how many other CFO, CFOs are really out there, kind of in the same dilemma. It's like, maybe they're not starting a new business, but they're at kind of the crossroads where it's like, do we hire a full-time person or do we go outsourced with this? Or do we just do it ourselves? Correct. Yeah. And, and again,
1: I think it, for those organizations, it depends on the size, the scope the growth pattern. I mean, how busy is that person who's making that decision? Do I handle it on my own, and in this case, do I continue to handle it on my own? In other words, do I have the depth and breadth to really give this what it needs and not let something else suffer as a result? Or do I say, you know, I don't need a full-time person necessarily, but I could use some high level help, but on a part-time basis, and I'd like to bring that in-house for control purposes or whatever else might go through their mind. Versus, I think what makes a lot more sense today, and I think you're seeing a lot more of it, is, again, as you bring a person on in-house, you have you know, all the things that go with having another employee. You have payroll-related costs, you have supervisory issues, you have the other things that come with you know, just having an employee. Um, and so for smaller to medium-sized organizations, I really think that an outsourced solution today is likely the better decision because you get a higher level of professionalism, you have, you know, essentially a resource at your fingertips, kind of a pay to play type of a scenario, and you don't have the other things that come with having that person, you know, on your employee roles that could be positive or frankly could be not positive at some times. And so again, it's a it's a tough decision for that CFO. Um, what, what stage is the company at, how many employees do we have. There's a lot of different factors that might come into where they make that decision point. Um, and really for a lot of people like myself, it's a control issue. Do I, do I want to have control over it? Therefore, I want someone internal. So not from a control freak standpoint, but kind of from a I I see everything in front of me and I have kind of my hands over everything as opposed to do I have the confidence? Do I have the knowledge? Uh, to to know that when I hand this off to an outside, outside resource, it's going to be handled properly, it's going to be handled timely, and even though I don't have ultimate control over it, uh, I feel good enough about that relationship that it's going to get handled properly. So, I think for different people, it's a different decision point, but... For me, it happens to be mutually exclusive. For other people, they might see different ways.
0: From a due diligence perspective, how often should you be looking at the HR, the payroll, the benefit programs, all those things that really make up the culture and retain and attract new employees?
1: That's a good question. I think that it needs to be reviewed frequently, and I don't know if you could put a time frame on it every six months, once a year. Certainly from a you know budgeting standpoint relative to the company's cost structure, you know your employee benefits programs are probably going to go up on renewals and things like that. So there are those elements where a review of these types of programs are going to come into play kind of on an automatic basis or a calendar basis. But I think a lot of it boils back down to, you know, what type of an organization do you want to be relative to your employees? Do you want to be a very employee-centric thing where you're constantly looking for ways to enhance your programs and do more for retention purposes, or is it more just a compliance issue where, well, I'll deal with this just once a year when it comes up. And so what relative to the cost of employee benefits or payroll-related costs and those types of things, I think it's something that's probably on most CFOs' plates more frequently versus less, simply because we're looking at the numbers all the time. We're looking at budgets. We're looking at variances between actual and, and what we expect the things to be. So I think they need to probably come up on a more frequent basis, not only for you know, what we do as CFOs, which is look at the numbers and make sure everything makes sense, but also from a more of an employee-centric standpoint, you know, gosh, we just had a surge in revenue, would that allow us to enhance our program maybe before a renewal period, or could we add on an uh, employee assistance program that we were really thinking would be a couple years down the road, or should we do something different with our 401k match or add one if we don't have one? So. Some of the types of things that come along in a business's life cycle might cause someone in my position to look at those with a fresh look or at a different time, but certainly they need to be reviewed periodically, uh, not only from a compliance standpoint, but also from an enhancement standpoint.
0: Anything else that that comes to mind from a CFO's perspective, just that from the HR realm, what other people should know, people that are listening, maybe if they're HR folks, what should they learn about dealing with the CFO? Or kind of the other way around
1: well the HR HR people and the accounting people often work very closely with each other so you know most of my cases where I've worked in organizations where there was a dedicated HR department they typically reported to me so I was very in tune with what they were doing Uh, again that brought me to the knowledge level that I have today but I'm not an expert in this I'm not a professional in this so for me, it was more of an oversight. It was more of a supervision role. I let them do what they do best and just kept myself in tune with what they were doing, making sure that they were meeting the objectives and the needs of the organization as a whole. So there is a relationship that's often going to take place between the two departments. If I was in an HR role, uh, certainly there's a understanding that I need to have with the CFO or with the accounting side in terms of, what is my cost of human capital? What are, what are my benefits costs? What are my annual increases? And what impact is that going to have on the budget of the organization as a whole? Is the revenue stream doing what it needs to be for me to be able to hire a couple more people or vice versa? Is it such that recessionary pressures or other things are causing me to maybe have to squeeze down a little bit um, do I need to redo job descriptions? Maybe I had two people doing two different jobs before, and now, because of budgetary pressures, one person needs to do both of those things. So how do I make sure that person understands what the scope of their responsibility now is? So uh, you know there's there's an element of finance in every part of the organization, and as we can surmise, there's an element of the human capital and under the HR umbrella in every element of the organization as well. So, Since they're so integral to each other, the relationship between HR and the finance side, whether you're wearing an HR hat or a finance hat, clearly is in place. And the overlap is something that has to work out well in order for the organization to be strong.
0: Going back to the outsourced relationship, do you ever feel like you totally lose control being the CFO and you a person that likes to have control? (laughs)
1: Well, again, you know, for example, when you think of some of the things that an outsourced HR solution might do, I mean, I'm generating the payroll. I'm reviewing the payroll before it's ultimately finalized. So even though I'm outsourcing the production of the payroll, I still have an element of control over because I look it over and make sure that it looks correct to me before I give them the green light and say, yeah, pay the people. When it comes to more genuine type HR things, hiring, termination, employee handbook, benefits. Again, have a lot of knowledge in that area, but I have a greater comfort level handing that off to my HR partner because I know of their level of expertise and professionalism. Again, not because of my own shortcomings, but because I've reached a comfort level with that relationship where, yes, even though I don't have you know total control over it, I have enough of a partnership control, if you might wanna say, where they're going to do things that are consistent with what I'd like them to do and or with my giving them permission. I don't feel like they're going to go off and do things that I wouldn't do if I was in control of it. And so therefore the solution is, they're handling those things that are pertinent to their expertise and their professionalism, and I give them a fair amount of autonomy and even though I don't have ultimate control, there's enough control there where I can hand that off with confidence and feel like it's going to get done properly. I don't really have things to worry about.
0: Our guest today has been John Spencer of Solutions Yes. Thank you for being part of our show.
1: My pleasure, Brandon.
0: This podcast is produced by Zenium Resources Inc. All rights reserved. For information on guests or for interview requests, please visit www. ZeniumHR.com, or email info at zeniumhr.com. Everything on this show should be considered educational and informational only and not personal advice. Please consult with the appropriate tax, legal, or business professional for individualized advice.